0: If you are um, heading ready for children's church, you guys can head off to that this morning, all right? Sweet! You know, the pure excitement right there, Miss Susie, pure excitement. We'll pray for you for that, all right? So, what we're doing here over our holiday season and during our Christmas time when we think that this is the reason for the season, but actually, this is the season for the reason for us. The reason for our lives is all about Christ Jesus. And the reality is, is that we celebrate this time for his birth and, of course, at Easter, his resurrection. But that is a thing that takes place year throughout the year for us. So we're just celebrating in this season to honor the true reason for what this is all about. So we're taking the name Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, and we're breaking that down. If you remember now, I'm just going to take just a minute just to kind of bring us all back in. It's been a couple of weeks. I know how you are. Uh, You're probably like me. You can't even remember what you had for lunch yesterday, all right? But the, the truth is, is that we took the name Jesus. What does that mean? It is the Greek form of the Old Testament word Joshua, which means God saves. And we talked about the fact that salvation is not from us. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation, work for our salvation. We are not justified before the Lord. The Lord justifies us. He deems us as righteous through our submission as Christ to Christ Jesus as our Savior and Lord, all right? So we looked at the first name, Jesus, and we saw in Scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, how that name was given. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to pick up with Christ, and then we're going to go back and look and see how the name Christ throughout Scripture has been given, all right? So Jesus is meeting a woman at the well in John chapter 4. She's a Samaritan woman. There's so much that's here. I mean, this is a sermon, multiple sermons on its own. But first of all, she's there during the middle of the day. She's there at a time where she shouldn't be there because she's trying to avoid everybody else. She's a Samaritan. Jesus was not, as a Jew, devout Jew, was not even supposed to speak to her. He shouldn't have even, according to Jewish law, been in that land. And so he's at this well, all right? And so he's in a land that he doesn't need to be. And at a time and a day when he shouldn't even be speaking to a woman, she shouldn't even be there, and this encounter is taking place. And so he meets this woman at the well, and this woman says to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. The one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now remember, last week we talked about the fact that um, in the Old Testament when, um, when uh, Moses went up on the mountain, he said that, the, that, the, that, we need, that God needed a name. All right, And God said to tell them that I am That's right, remember? And so how we talked about we'll, we'll talk more about this But I am was listed out in scripture As four letters Not even given consonants It was holy, it was a reverent thing And so you didn't even speak that name Okay, And so when Jesus says now What? I am he He is re- referencing himself On the same equality With God Okay? And so in Scripture, right here, we get the, the picture of Christ Jesus taking the name of God. Okay? And so, why is that so important? Why is that such a big deal? First of all, in, in culture, that is so, would have been seen as what? Totally irreverent or blasphemous. Okay? If it wasn't truth. And so, what does Scripture tell us about the name of Christ and about the Messiah and about Jesus taking that name from the Old Testament and and then taking it on Himself? So, the first thing I want you to see is that the name Christ in the Old Testament, that's what's been given to us, means anointed one, all right? So, let's, let's look at this through Scripture. Let's look at it as a prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with a child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God is with us, all right? So there's the connection right here. Uh, A woman is going to be given a child, That child is going to be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We we saw last week that the name of Jesus means God saves. So salvation, the salvation of God is coming through this person, right? As we follow the name Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. And so now we look, we pick this up in Luke chapter 1. We'll look at verses 26 through 33. Last week, we looked at this through the eyes in Scripture, uh, from Scripture through Joseph. And now we're going to look at this through... Uh, the, the eyes of Mary in Scripture, all right? Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God into, to a city and gallery called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of uh, the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, let's stop right here for a second in dealing with Mary. Mary is who? <laughs> who is Mary? And before this encounter right here, who's Mary. A nobody. Mary is a nobody. Probably someone in her early teens who is engaged to a man who is probably somewhere in his mid 20s. That was culturally acceptable at that time, and they were given off to someone else. So she's engaged to be married. So she's in this proposal Period right here where she is supposed to marry someone else, so no one really has contact with her, all right? And she doesn't have contact with anybody else while this is going on, all right? And so this angel comes and it appears to her. and says that she is a favored one, what do you think that's going to do for her at this point? What do you think that's going to do to her? Think about yourself as someone who's probably 12 to 15 years of age. Angel of the Lord appears to you and says to you that you're a favored one. Would that, would that strike any of you women, as uh, ladies here, as being something um, that would scare you half to death? Yeah, scare you half to death, all right? And so here's this young lady, and the, and the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, but she was perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salu- salutation was this. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. <laughs> All right, so here's someone who's in virtual obscurity, and now the Lord has come and called her a favored one. Someone who is, God has looked upon and looked at their life and said that they are favored to do Something great for the kingdom of God. Now, let's look at this now. We see that through the lens of this moment. But now let's look at this at the through the lens of history and life and the life of Mary. This was a blessing, right? A true blessing. But at the same time, what kind of life did Mary have to live seeing her son die on the cross? seeing all the things, the ways in which he suffered and the way that he was treated and all of the things that he had to go through as a son of God. I mean, it, was, it brought her great distress and great, and great heartache, right? An immense blessing that personally caused her an immense amount of pain and suffering. And so we have to see that sometimes when we are favored by God, It doesn't always mean that the things that the way that the world sees that is going to jump right off the page and think, hey, this is the greatest person that ever lived. This was someone who was totally, totally enamored by the world, right? It's not going to be that way. It's going to be someone that God picked out of obscurity that he decided to bless and he put his blessings upon. She was anointed by God to bring forth The anointed one. The one that Old Testament had prophesied would come came the way that God prophesied it would happen. And in doing so, God revealed to us the Christ, the Messiah. So really, that's what Messiah means. Messiah means anointed one. And so the purpose of this this anointed one was to do what? The The purpose of the anointed one was to deliver us. And so Christ Jesus is the deliverer. And this is where I want to spend most of our time this morning, looking to see how Old Testament prophecy was brought forth and and what Christ truly came to do. So as Christ comes as our Messiah, He is our deliverer. What is He delivering us from? He is delivering us from ourselves and delivering us from this world, delivering us from the sin. How is that happening? He comes by way of immaculate conception. Doesn't say that, as she is betrothed to Joseph, that she is going to have relations with him, and then that's going to bring forth this child, does it? It says, scripturally, that God is going to give her immaculately um, and help her conceive through the holy power of the Holy Spirit so that we might have a per- perfect bloodline, not of humanity, but of God. So our lineage is, the lineage of sin is broken through Christ Jesus. So, That's the way that he is the the perfect sacrifice for us to deliver us from our sins. If he was born into sin as we were, then there's no way that he could deliver us from it. There's no way that I can die for you or you can die for me and that that will take away our sins. So there's no way that anyone can lay down their life for us and have us receive eternal life as our reward. Your parents can't do that. That's why our faith, this is so important. As Christ comes as the Messiah, our faith is not passed down through our bloodline. How many of you here, look, I know that I'm at least, I'm at least four-generation Baptist. How many of y'all can beat me on that? How many of y'all are four-generation Baptist? I'm four-generation Baptist at the same church, you know, from where I grew up. So I know that my heritage goes back in the Baptist faith at least to my great-great-grandparents, all right? And so... We like to trace our lineage back and think, well, you know, I went to that same church. I went to the the church that I grew up in. It's it's the church that my family grew up in. All those different things. But that doesn't make me saved. That doesn't mean that I'm going to inherit eternal life. Eternal life comes to me through the anointed one, through Christ Jesus, because he breaks that line. He breaks and overcomes the the lineage of my family. Now let's take that to the flip side. Some of you sitting in this room today have never been in church. Your family's never been in church. You didn't grow up in church. And so to receive Christ is something that you experience personally as yourself. That's what all of us do. And just as you have children and, and then in turn raise those children and try to take the faith that God has given you and give that to your children, it's still up to our children to accept that. All right. So that's the picture of the anointed one. That's what Christ does. He allows us the opportunity or the way for us to get into that salvific relationship with God and subvert or overcome the sin line that comes through humanity. So he is also our deliverer. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, says this. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good news to you, great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So this, of course, is where the appearance comes to the shepherds. All right, so the shepherds are out in the field, and the angel appears, tells them what's going what's to happen, and then they go and they, and they find this, the Savior. So why is this important? Because scripturally right here, the angel, as it has spoken to Mary and given a peace, now the, the story is being continued. So what does the, the angel of the Lord tell this group of people? He tells them that you have been given a Savior. When someone comes to save you from something, what are they doing? They're delivering you from the the mess that you're in. If someone saves you on the side of the road because your car is broken down, they've saved you from an incident or something that you're in. If someone in your family saves you monetarily or physically from from a situation that you're in, then they have saved you from that. Now, tell me this. How do you respond when someone saves you from something? grateful, aren't we? What kind of gratefulness do we show towards people who, the, uh, as an act of appreciation mostly? We, we show them through friendliness, maybe through gesture, maybe through letters or cards, maybe we pay them, those type of things. Now, I want you to think about this. This gift that was given to us as a deliverer is an eternal deliverance. And we live in a world today, and us as believers and followers of Christ ourselves, we don't show the gratitude for what we've been given. The magnitude of all of our lives, our sin and who we are, who we could become and what our lives could be, that God delivers us from, and we don't show gratitude for that. Why? Because we are complacent. And we don't see the gift for the true meaning of what the gift is. It is a true act of sacrifice. And it is a true act of mercy and grace that God gives to us. And how does he give that to us? What is the cost to us for that? It's free. It's free to us. We're supposed to just accept it and believe it. And then what? Live it. Why is this so hard for the world to understand? Why is it so hard for us to grasp? Let me tell you why. Because in our humanity and in our flesh, we don't see ourselves as needing a deliverer. How many of you think you're pretty smart? Nobody here thinks they're pretty smart at all? This is a room full of dummies? I don't think so. There are some things in your life that you think through your experiences and through the things that you've gone through are you know how to do. And if we think that we know how to do it, we act in our own what? Power and strength. And when we act in our own power and strength, we go and we get things done. But a lot of times in our own power and strength, we also get ourselves into a bind or a mess. And we do that because we are not relying upon God. Deliverer means that he has freed us from all of these things. Yet we entangle ourselves back in those things. Because we don't take hold of the deliverance, the true deliverance that God has given us. Paul says this, that we forsake those things which are behind... And we press onward towards the goal of the upward of the high calling of of Christ Jesus. So our job is to move in the direction in which God has called us to as a deliverer. But what we do is we half-heartedly accept the deliverance because it brings us eternal life and then go try to live our life the way that we want to live it. And it puts us back in to the mess of the world. The deliverance which we've been provided is to bring salvation for us. God is trying to save us. Save us from sin. And secondly, and most, you know, it's just as important, save us from ourselves. He's offered his son, Christ, the Messiah, to be our Lord. Oh, and next week, let me just tell you. Next week, good. Good, good stuff. Dealing on the Lordship of Christ. So, this morning, I want to ask you something. And it's really the premise and the crux of what I have to share to you in a message this morning. Will you accept the deliverance of Christ? Will you accept that Christ has delivered you from the junk of this world? Will you accept the fact that Christ has delivered you from the junk of your family? Will you accept the fact that Christ has delivered you from the boss that you have that lords themselves over you? Will you accept deliverance from the mistakes that you've made? I know we just said that nobody thinks real great about themselves, but I'm sure some of you have actually made a mistake or two. Have you not? I think there's like three recorded mistakes that Tamara has on me in, in all of our years of marriage, all right? But one, yeah, just so keeps a little book. It's really short and thin, small, small book. I haven't made a whole lot of mistakes. It's just the same one over and over and over. You know? yes, yeah, it's, it's like three main mistakes, but I just repeat them daily. So you guys, you got to understand, Christ delivers us from all of that. Why? Because He is the one that that God sent to redeem us from sin and deliver us from all of that. So why in our lives and in our world do we choose to allow ourselves to get back into the muck and the mire? Why do we choose to our, let ourselves be constrained? Hebrews says that sin entangles us. And it becomes a web. And then it says in that same, those same verses in chapter 12, that what? Christ Jesus came to free us from all of that. But yet we allow ourselves to get caught up in all of it. Why? Because I don't think we understand the magnitude of the deliverance from which we've been delivered. One, and what God did for us and true truth and then two and entrust trust from, for us what that deliverance means for us because I really don't think we have faith to believe that God can deliver us from the messes that we're in and when we don't believe that we remain in them and when we remain in them we grow weary Luke chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. We're picking up all these places in the life of Christ, all right? We're covering a lot today. So we've looked at Mary. We've also looked in chapter 2 when, when the angel appeared to those to tell them about the Messiah. And now we're picking up in chapter 4 um, where, where Christ has grown and, and speaking in the temple. And the book of the prophets Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is... Now remember, whenever you see capitals all the way like this, what is that What is that a picture of? Does anybody know? It's an Old Testament quote. Old Testament quote, alright? So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives, to recover sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed, to... Be- proclaim the favorable year of the lord look now let's look to see what our our mantra and our mandate is for us this is what he delivered us from look at all the things that he's come to do for us so the first thing it says is that he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has come to share the message of the world to those who are oppressed We live in a world and in a land today of prosperity. The most prosperous nation in the world at this time. And the, this land's ears are deaf to our words because they see no need. God cannot deliver us when we see no need. We need to be poor of spirit. Remember when we were going through the Beatitudes? Are we poor of spirit? Do you think that you have everything that you need to make it happen? Because if we think that we have everything that we need, then we don't need God. We need to understand that our spirit, our attitude needs to be that of poverty. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives, He has come to bring freedom to our lives. We're not captive in the sense that we're all in jail. But we're captive in the sense that we're caught up in the stuff that holds us down each and every day. We cannot be who we truly need to be because we are constrained by our own inadequacies. We can't make it in ourselves. We can't fix it. He's come to proclaim the release of the captives and to recover the sight of the blind. He's come to give us that which we cannot, that we, might, that we do not have on our own. Now, does this mean that He came and He healed those who were blind? Yes. But it also says scripturally that the ears of those and the eyes of those who believe are what? Opened and they now hear. So, if you have no need this morning, then you're going to be closed off to the Lord. So, our job, our thought process should be poor of spirit so that our heart and our eyes and our ears can be open to hear what God has to say to us and to see what God is doing. How many of you have ever blown through a stop sign? Come on, I'm not, yeah, I know there's police in here, but we won't report you. Yeah. All right, we've blown through a stop sign. Just now, some a red light, yeah. Now, yeah, let's not even talk about those because I I was going stop sign because I don't remember any of those. But those red lights, yeah, probably so. Like, yeah, like a lot. Like every time I could do it, Clay goes, "Dad, you just ran ran a red light, Dad." <laughs> it was yellow at some point. All right, but we move through those things that are meant to stop us, right? Those are signs and signals. Stop here. Now I want you to think about this for a second. Have you ever blew through a spiritual stop sign from God? Whoa! Don't go this way. Don't do this. And we blow right through it. And though there's no blue lights behind us, the Lord's not coming at us, with are going to write me a ticket. There are consequences, just like there are consequences for what we do here when we break laws here. Spiritually, we have put ourselves in that. We are captive to those things. God has come to free us from that. He brings us freedom because that's what he does. He gives sight to the blind because then what does he do? He said, you just went right through that. You just totally missed it. You were blind to it. But I'm here to tell you that was wrong. <clears throat> now, I want you to think about something for just a second. Because it is the season when families all get together. And I know that though you are perfect, all of your family is not, right? So there will be the tendency when you're all gathered together over the holiday season to remind those around you of the wrongs that are going on in their life, right? Right? <laughs> The stuff that they're doing that keeps them separated from God. Because we can see that in everybody else's life, can't we? This is what's holding them back from being the people that God wants them to be. This is exactly what it is. What happens when you go and try to share that with that person? (laughs) Everybody's like, oh, uh, it's called a family meeting. It's It's an argument. Everybody gets up and they leave. It can't come from us. It has to come from who? It has to come from God. He is the one that opens up our eyes. We can't open eyes up for everybody else. Our job is to open our own eyes and not to be blind to the things of this world. Last thing is this. To set free those who are oppressed. I'm sorry, last two things. Set free, set free those who are oppressed. Those who are under oppression, our job is not to heap more on them. Our job is to point them to Christ who brings freedom. The last thing is this, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I think the biggest struggle for people who are lost from the world is they think that their sin is too great. They think that the things that they need... How about you in your own life this morning? The things that, that hold you back, are they too much for God to overcome? Or is it insurmountable? Have you lost so much? Have you sinned so much that there's no way that God can deliver you from the things of this world? Is this a positive church? Are we as people of God spiritual optimists? Or are we spiritual pessimists? I'm going to tell you that in this country today, when people need Christ but see no need, the people that are in Christ are not optimists to what God is doing. We're pessimists. Our best days are behind us. We're not getting it done. And we keep churning out year after year after year. Christ sets the captives free. Christ delivers the world from their sins. Our job is not to save them. Our job is to be optimist that the kingdom of God is not finished yet and that there are people that God is still going to use this place to reach and that you are important to God and that God can deliver you from the mess of your life and that God can use you for his glory and for his kingdom if we don't have that then we don't truly accept Jesus Christ as the anointed one the savior the one that can deliver us from all of our sin and we will be bound now look <clears throat> I've read this on a couple of different things and there's there's differing um, theological opinions on this so I'm going to give you mine on in, in, in closing alright so this is Tim theology here on this. This is how I see this. Christ tells the disciples, he says, the things that you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. The things that you let loose on this earth will be let loose in heaven. Now I see this as letting go and letting God. But yet the things that we try to hold on to, what does that mean that it's going to be bound in heaven? What that means is that we will have limited what we could have done for the kingdom of God here, and that will reflect back on us eternally. But if we will let loose, and we will let go, it will be let loose, and it will be let go spiritually. We spent this morning, when we started talking about Lottie Moon, you let go and the legacy of her life is still something that we celebrate, honor and is effective today that's what I want to be but I'm going to be honest with you I try to make it happen and the power of Tim Hunter this is where God's going And I'm going to make it go that way. When the reality is, is my eyes and my ears and my heart need to be fully opened wide. Seeking deliverance from my own self. From the sin of my life. And allowing God to direct me and you. So that we might truly become what he's called us to be. Do you accept the full force of the deliverance of your life from sin? Do you truly believe that Christ is the anointed one, the one that can deliver you from all that? If so, then guess what? Our prayer time in just a minute, or our decision time in just a minute, is going to be really active because we'll take a real good look at this in a self-reflection of who we are and we'll do what we need to to get right with Christ let's stand together and as we stand together ladies are going to come back up front and I'm going to pray for us and then as they sing you move as God leads all right share your word your word never returns void it's gone forth this morning I didn't use fancy words I don't even know if I spoke it in plain good English for someone to be able to receive it but the power of the Holy Spirit is in this place because you are present with us we are your people we are your children we are not perfect you know that. You sent your son to deliver us from our sin. You ordained it from the foundation of the world so that we might be free. Free to worship you this morning. Father, we come to you broken from the mess that is the life that we've made. And we, we come this morning asking for you to set these captives and this captive free. Set us free from the things of this world. May our focus and our intent be upon you. May our lives be lived in a holy and righteous way so that those around us may see you in us. Bless us, but more importantly, use us as a blessing. These things we ask and pray now in the name of Jesus Christ.